Hello, Mother Love listeners. We wanted to give a little heads up for this particular episode as Emily and I go into discussing some pretty um, difficult and challenging and sometimes painful topics, uh, such as suicide, depression, mental health crisis. Um, And we just want everyone to be aware uh, because we don't know where you are in your journey and where you are in your day when you're listening to this. And so just want to give a heads up that it's um, we're going to go there. And if that is too difficult um, for whatever, wherever you are right now in the world and in your experience, uh, you may want to hold off on this episode. So we hope you enjoy it. We hope it brings hope. But yes, we do go to some hard places. Here on Mother Love, we celebrate moms, their bravery, wisdom, and strength, their endurance and wit, dedication and sacrifice. We speak about the transformation in body, mind, and soul that is required on this sacred journey. We discuss what it takes to conceive, grow, birth, and welcome a baby into this big, wide, messy world. Mother Love is a safe space to witness each other in the darkest and brightest of moments. Mother love is a place where you can let it all out and just be. A place to harvest your deep wisdom and spread hope to all the moms out there who still feel invisible. Welcome to Mother Love, where we love on mothers. We're so glad you're here. Mother love listeners, we're so happy that you're here listening and that you're taking time out of your day to tune in and hear another episode of Moms Sharing Stories for Hope. Um, We have kind of an interesting episode today where I am here with Emily Cluis. Hi, Emily. Hi. And we're both, we both work for Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, but um, as you just listened to in the opening, um, I've had some changes in my life that are meaning that I am passing the torch to Emily. And so today she is going to be, we're going to switch seats and she's going to be in the place of interviewer because she's going to be the one doing that from now on. And I'm so excited (laughs) and I'm going to, she's going to interview me because we felt like this story of what has led to my decision to um, pass said torch is worth our listeners hearing. So here we are. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Emily, actually, and I'm going to be the one answering questions today. I'm excited. Hello, everyone. My name is Emily Clewis, like Claire just said, and I am with Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies as well. I'm super excited to be um, taking part in this interview today. I've known Claire for a little while now and gotten to work with her and be friends with her. And um, her story is indeed very important. And I'm excited to be a part of sharing that today. Yay. Welcome. Welcome. We're so happy to have your ears for a little while. Yeah. So grab a cup of tea or coffee 
and curl up or keep your eyes on the road or <laughs> keep on uh, doing those dishes or whatever it is that you're doing while you're joining us to listen today. And um, we're excited to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So since you're in charge now, mm-hmm. Missy, I'm going to wait for you to ask the questions of me and then I'm just going to answer them. It's super weird for me, but good weird. All right. So where shall we start today? Um, what would, what would you like to start with Claire? Where would you like to start? I, you know, I always ask people kind of like, because I feel like it is hard to come up with like the first question. So I always try to start small. And so I always ask people like, what is your kind of like day-to-day life like right now? You know, like let's, let's anchor in the present and like, and talk about what each day kind of looks like mm-hmm. um, just to get a glimpse. I, since I was a kid, I have always had this weird thing when I, when I uh, see people, and this has been going on like most of my life, When I see people, I always imagine them, no matter who they are, like old grumpy guy, like working construction, you know, or whoever. I just am like, it's so crazy that we all wake up with like our heads on like a pillow, like every day. And I just try to picture like wherever you are in the world, like we all, hopefully a pillow. I mean, you know, sometimes not that, but, but like, I just, it. It's this human thing that I, it always brings me back. And then I'm always like, I wonder if that guy has slippers. I wonder if he like, <laughs> it's just this little point of um, reference that I love. Because even if someone's being like super um, angry or cranky or rude or whatever, like I try to picture them in that vulnerable place of like the first 10 seconds that your eyes are open in the morning, you know? And so I was thinking that's kind of what made me want to start asking um, listeners, like, what it, what does your morning look like? What do your days look like? You know? That's so. good. I love that. Okay. So <laughs> when you wake up with your head, presumably, on a pillow, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, you open your eyes, what, what, where does the morning go from there? Um, you know, and so... It's interesting that we're, we are recording this at a, at a beautiful home that I'm actually house-sitting, um, and it's gorgeous. We're probably going to get to see the sunset out of these giant, beautiful windows. But for me, that's really an interesting part of my life is like, um, because I'm a co-parent, my life looks really different on the mornings that I have my daughters with me versus the mornings that I don't. So... Um, you know, this morning I woke up here in this beautiful home, um, which has been like medicine to me because currently our living situation is kind of hard. We're about to move. We're living in a house that isn't being really well maintained necessarily. And there's been a lot of challenges with that lately. And so for me to come up to a place that's like really, really beautiful, um, you know, I woke up this morning really early at like 4.30 and I just was feeling so grateful just like so full of gratitude to um, have people who trust me to care for their homes and for their animals you know I'm there are three dogs here that I'm caring for and um, mine as well so this morning it looked like me waking up 
all three dogs being stoked that we were getting up, you know, wagging their tails, doing their dog things. And I like came upstairs and made coffee. I am, I have a real love pain. I won't say hate cause that's too strong for me and coffee, but I have a love pain relationship with coffee. Um, I have a chronic stomach condition. And so I, coffee has been what has gotten me through, but it also sometimes isn't the smartest thing. But I'm not ready to let go of it yet. So I made a half-calf cup of coffee. And I sat and I read. And I, I'm, I'm in a real learning part of my life right now. So I'm doing some research about various things. And I was doing some of that. And then, yeah, off, off to the races. Um, which we can talk more about that. But that's what my morning looked like. That's awesome. Uh-huh. I love that. That sounds very magical. It is. It is magical. It's a really weird, and I think anyone who's out there who's like a um, divorced parent or co-parent can uh, relate to the fact that there is a lot of gratitude and joy for having the opportunity to have peace in the morning like that on a regular basis um, and to, to have like an opportunity to reflect my, on my own thoughts and do journaling and do research and whatever it is that I want to do. Morning has always been my best like brain time. So it's super nice for me to be able to do that. Um, but you, I also always do feel really sad that my babies like aren't near me, you know, so it's, it's holding both of those feelings yeah. at once. And that never, for me, that hasn't gotten like a whole lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in contrast to a magical, slow, quiet morning with your own thoughts and a warm cup of coffee, what do your mornings look like when your little ones are with you? Yeah, that's those are different mornings. So <laughs> my oldest, Kyla, she's eight now, and she, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but she is like, not only is she an early riser, but she's like an early riser that is like the most gung-ho, like wanting to know everything that's going to happen that day, like let's go, let's get going type of person. And so not only is it like like she's awake early, but if I'm not awake before her, when she approaches my bed, it's like I wake up and it's like adrenaline, like, okay, be ready, like go time, ready. Because like I'm not, I don't wake up. Um, in that way I wouldn't say that I'm not a morning person but I'm not like a wake up and go 500 miles an hour morning person yeah that's a enough. special kind of morning person yeah. and I have one so usually that happens and um, it's tough because my younger daughter Kendall loves to sleep in and she's a really slow to wake up person and so my job is to keep Kyla quiet long enough that Kendall will get enough sleep so that when Kendall wakes up um, there's not just immediate battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how that goes. Oh, man. Yeah. Kendall sounds like a girl after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> she, and she's like the opposite in so many ways, but like she'll come downstairs. She always, though, like when she wakes up, my mom and I were laughing about this, like her feet, like she runs, she needs to like be in your lap like the second she wakes up. So her feet like pitter pattern, you can hear them coming. And like my mom and I were laughing because that's been such a part of my life that no matter what I'm doing, like I will stop 
and I will like get ready to catch her. Like I'll like if I'm like cooking or baking or whatever, like I'll just like pause and like I have to like get down to her level and I have to be ready to like scoop her up. Because if I'm doing something, like the moment that she gets to me and I like it is not okay. She needs to be held like right then. And she's six, so like it's not like she's little. It's just her way. So that's so that's sweet. what we do. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, both those mornings sound like really cool and um, wonderful in their own ways. Um, how about, so, okay, mornings are on their way. Now we're moving into the rest of our day. Um, what, what are your days looking like now? What's work looking like now? What, are you, what, are, what is Claire up to in your um, professional life outside of momming? Yeah. Um... You know, if anyone knows me, they know that I am not afraid to try new things when things aren't fitting. Um, and so I, since I have lived in Helena, I have worked at many places. And sometimes that's kind of a source of like embarrassment or shame for me because I feel like um, I should just commit to one thing and do it. Um, but if something isn't feeling, I made this decision a few years ago that if any part of my life turned into something that I felt like I was just going through the motions, I didn't want that. I wanted every part of my every day to be something that meant something to me. Um, and so I, that's, I, there've been a lot of times where I've started out really enthusiastic about a job and then it, and then, you know, for a variety of reasons, sometimes it, things a lot of things have been tumultuous in my life over the past like five or six years um so I've had to kind of be okay with the fact that like as I go through drastic change it's okay for me to embrace change in my work as well um and so but right now what has happened and we'll talk a little bit more about the story but it's okay to just mention um that the are you good Oh, yeah. Emily's pregnant, and she just put her hand on her belly in a sudden way that made me concerned. Oh. So oh, no. just checking just in on her. Hiccups. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, baby. <laughs> in utero hiccups are so good. Okay, cool. Listeners, this is a pregnant-friendly podcast. We will be checking on the pregnant lady when she suddenly puts her hand on her belly like that. Um, but, yeah, so my days right now, I, you know, after either of those things happen, I am, I will gather my cleaning supplies and I've been cleaning people's homes for work, um, which has been a very unexpected career twist for me. And there are a lot, a number of things that led up to that, but it feels to me like such a really, really good fit right now. And I'm super grateful that I was able to um, be given the opportunity to try something so outside of what I'm used to doing and that it feels really good. I'm really thankful for it. So yeah, I love that. I, um, I remember listening to a podcast one time and I think, I think it was an Oprah podcast and she was interviewing somebody. I don't remember, but they were talking about how they cleaned houses for a period and they were saying that they just felt so grateful to be able to be the person to go into someone's home and make it a more peaceful space and a calmer space. And, um, you know, just like, I, I just thought about that. I was like, that is such, that would be so wonderful. And that, that, that piece has stuck with me for like four or five years. Totally. Like, I just remember that. So like, what is your experience with like 
doing this work and like Mm -hmm. tell me about how that feels for you and like how it resonates with you right now it does that resonates with me a lot and and I so what happened is I met a friend really randomly we were in downtown Helena on the walking mall we were you know in the summertime there's a lot of like you bring your kids down there they get ice cream a lot of people sit out of the brewery and drink a beer and we just happened to be down there one day and this little girl named Ruby came up and she was like just insta best friends with my girls and I and so I met her mom and her mom owns her own cleaning business and we were just kind of talking and like I often do when someone starts talking about their business I'm like oh I should work for you like I'm learning now that I don't have to work for everyone that I that that like their job sounds cool but I was looking for a way to earn extra income to help pay for my girls' summer program and so I was like yeah I could just take on a couple of cleanings it'd be really fun and so I did that and like I within like a couple weeks I was like I love this like I found myself looking forward to that time more than like any other work that I was doing at the time um and I do want to make sure we go back to that because I have loved working for healthy mothers healthy babies but I'll just we'll talk about what led to that sort of shift in me but anyway um what I really really love about the work in terms of Like, I just feel like it's a really high honor to be invited into someone else's home. And I know that it's a really vulnerable thing for me to have someone come in and like tend to my messes. Like that feels really, really vulnerable to me. And so when people trust me enough to do that and to do it in a way that like I try to make a main part of my business is that I try to be really in relationship with the people that I'm working for, um, because I feel like the reason that I'm there is not just to clean their house or like do a service, but like I genuinely appreciate that it's giving them more quality time with their family. Um, And I genuinely appreciate that they are risking, you know, opening up their family's life to me while I'm in their space in like really vulnerable ways, you know? Um, And and it, to me, so to me, I just feel really grateful that people are trusting of me to do that. And as a mom, you know, I know what it's like to have the stress of not having a clean house. And and some people feel like, oh, whatever, I don't really care. Or I think, but I think deep down, we all know that like our the condition of our space feels it affects how we feel, especially if you're a mom who's home a lot. And if you're constantly feeling like everything is crazy and chaotic and dirty and you can't get to it, that's like a real burden that we carry around, you know? And for me, it was always like this nagging thing of like, ah, when am I ever going to get to that? Like I'm breastfeeding and I can see the dust bunnies, but like, when am I ever going to like have the time to like take care of that, you know? And so to be able to like know that that does bring more peace, um, is really great and and to be like paying for that says that there's value in it and like I think that that's something that as moms like it's just like something we're supposed to do on top of 85 other things you know or stay-at-home dads you know caring for a home that's a lot of work and I think that people just think it happens magically and uh, seeing people being willing to put some of their resources there because they recognize like oh this is something that is valuable and um and I can't do it (laughs) so we're gonna we're gonna put some of our resources toward that it feels good to me 
to get paid for something that I did for a lot of years that was definitely not getting paid <laughs> or getting recognized even by anyone, yeah. you know? So that's kind of cool too. That is cool. Mm-hmm. And I feel like especially now, since so many people are working from home and working more because yeah. the lines of work and home life are completely blurred when you're working from home. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy for it all to bleed together. And then like, where do you make dinner and like when, and we got to get the kids and like all the things happen. I feel like now more than ever that service where people are in their homes mm-hmm. all the time with less time than they might have had previously, like, holy moly, like you, I think we've right. talked about you coming to clean my house, yeah. seriously, like there's so much value in being able to work from a peaceful lovingly cleaned space from someone that you trust so I think that that's really really cool that yeah you embrace that and I just want to shout out to all the moms who like can't afford it and or or you know or it isn't valued in their life and just like give just I just want to like give some recognition to you I do this for a living now and like it's a lot of work like all I have to do is clean all day <laughs> you know like I'm not like trying to clean and breastfeed and change diapers, and cook, and teach, and, like, like right now, the way that my life is structured is, like, my kiddos do get to go somewhere else for school while I'm doing this work, and so it just makes me have even more of a heart for moms that are trying to do all of it, and if everyone is home all day, all the time, guess how many more messes are going to be made? Like, a lot. <laughs> a lot, and, like, you're cooking more meals, there's more dishes, things are dirty and unavailable, like, and you just, at the end of the day, you're like, I don't even know what happened today. Like, I feel just totally defeated, you know? And so if there's, like, one small piece of that that I can, like, swoop in and take that off of someone's plate at this moment in time, it feels really, um, it feels like an honor to do that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. Um, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about, like, what that shift looked like for you? Like, moving in... Um, into this space of, you know, running your own business, doing this work that you feel really aligned with right now, um, out of, you know, um, working for like healthy mothers, healthy babies and Mm -hmm. kind of how that fit into, um, I don't know, like, like how did that shift happen and how, how did that feel? Yeah. Sure. Changing, changing it up, you know, mm because I think we all change it up. Mm Mm-hmm. I, yes, we all changed up. This particular change felt really, really, really different to me because it wasn't necessarily like an obvious decision. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm done working at Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, and now I'm going to go clean. This was like, um, (laughs) well, I, I pretty much had a mental health crisis and I would love to go into that a little bit more. Um, but just to answer the question that we're in right now, that when that happened, it really limited my mental capacity in terms of what I could handle um, creatively. You know, I'm, I, a writer is a big part of who I am. And um, 
doing any sort of writing work or creative work where I was kind of like starting from zero and I had to pull all of it out of my own like being to make something like appear on paper. Like there were very few, the, the times where I was feeling successful in that were getting less and less. And, and I was starting to feel like overwhelming anxiety about having that be my job and just being like, whoa, I feel mentally like crippled right now and I can't show up in the way that I want to. And that was like really, really humbling for me. And it took a lot of like crappy mistakes and like a ton of apologies, you know, for me to like finally recognize like this isn't working and I don't think that it's going to get a lot better anytime soon. And with what I have on my plate, like during this pandemic and just during the, the circumstances of my life, like I have to take a step back and I have to focus on healing before I can go forward with any type of work that calls upon my creative and mental abilities, you know? And so what I realized in just doing those couple of cleanings here and there in contrast to the other work that I was supposed to be doing for healthy mothers, healthy babies, like I just was like, Ooh, I'm feeling really successful in this in terms of like, it's physical, it's doesn't require a lot of my brain like my body gets there and I know what to do it's um like almost like a ritual it's predictable I don't walk away at the end of the day wondering like uh like there's no there's no projects that are open-ended and hanging out in my mind all night yeah um which for me I just I recognize that like that's really what I needed right now in terms of like getting myself stabilized and um yeah and oh, man, I feel like that's an experience that so many of us ex- go through at some point in our life where we're um, feeling like our body and mind and soul and our, our, the people, like our, our families <laughs> are needing us to show up in a certain way and we're feeling called to show up in a certain way, but we've already made these commitments mm-hmm. and um trying to reconcile that like I I've said I'm going to do this and now I'm feeling called to this like I just want to commend you for honoring that and I know it wasn't like an like an overnight experience like it's a process it's a Mm -hmm. it's something that you kind of have to play with right like to figure out what feels right and why and how and um but I think that there's a lot to be said for honoring that and like what it means that you can move into and I it's hard it's hard but I think like it's a growth piece that so many of us go through and I wonder how many people are too afraid to honor it Mm -hmm. and like move into it and I don't know I just I I really admire you for um taking care of yourself and doing yeah what you were called to do in that moment yeah thank you I want to say a couple of things about that um in terms of uh sorry i was gonna turn on a light so we're not seeing oh that's a good idea because i was gonna get dark we're gonna take a second listeners and turn on the lights in this beautiful place where we are we can have marcus cut this part out too are you feeling warm um i feel like at homeostasis right now i feel good yeah um aha what I want to add to that is are a couple of things. I want to recognize that 
again, this was like a really humbling move for me. I did not intend to give up my position at Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies. I, I love this organization and I loved Absolutely. the work I was doing. And that is why ultimately I had to say, you know, if it was, if it was work that I didn't really care about and that didn't really mean something to me deeply, then I think I could have like sort of like limped along a lot longer. Well, probably not much longer, honestly, but <laughs> I could have like tried to longer, but I did not want to be doing this work that meant so much to me in a way that was not the best it could be being done. And so um, that's actually when you came in, Emily, was like, we, I was like, whoa, I am overwhelmed to the max and like what are we going to do you know and I also want to just really recognize Bree. Bree's our executive director at Healthy Mothers Healthy Babies and she um, stepped into a role and that was really hard for her and complicated for her in terms of showing up for me as a friend and as a fellow mom to support me in my mental health crisis as well as being my boss and being the person who needed to make sure that things were staying intact. And so I just, I can't even express my gratitude for Brie and being able to hold, wear both of those hats at the same time and be, and like have a conversation where, you know, she's like calling a psychiatrist in town and booking me an appointment because I'm going through suicidal ideation mm. and also being like, okay, what makes sense? Cause we don't want you to leave the organization altogether. Like we want to do everything we can to keep you on. Like, what are you doing right now? And what can you possibly hang on to that would feel good? You know? And, and so she walked through that with me in such a beautiful, brave way that I just, I, I mean, I'm like getting emotional about it because I, I'm just so grateful that she believed in me, not yeah. only to pull through as a mom and as a human being, and that she continually reminded me, like, you're strong, you have support, you don't have to do this alone, like, it's going to be okay, we're going to get help. And also, you know, like, Claire, can you keep doing the podcast? We really want you to keep doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. Claire, can you keep ordering cribs and car seats? We would love for you to do those things, you know? And I was like, yeah, I think I can do those things, you know? And so... It's just been, I, I just want to recognize like that piece of it because what we do, it was so um, hopeful to me to see an organization that was like living out what we stand for. It was like everything we do was yeah. happening and was playing out in real time. Yeah. And like, it was just so cool to see that like, yes, this, this is what we stand for. And this is like, we're going to show up for you you know, even though you've like messed up the last three emails and like, you know, like I just, it was really so crucial in this story. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. The, the, this organization, I feel like is, I feel really blessed to be a part of it. And, um, I'll say that Bree's a pretty kick-ass executive director and a friend and mentor in many, many ways. Yeah. Um, that's thank you for sharing all those pieces. Mm -hmm. 
Would you like to share a little bit more about like your mental health journey over the past year? I mean, COVID aside, right? Like what I, yeah. tell, tell me, where would you like to start? What would you like to share <laughs> well, about that journey? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like part of my struggle with my work um, is that I did have a lot of ego wrapped up in some of it. You know, in this, this, I went to school and got my writing degree and that I've always sort of been on this mission to prove everyone wrong that you can get a writing degree and still earn money because <laughs> like no one believes that that's true. And so there was always a part of me that was like seeking to like finally have something to say when someone said, what do you do? And you know, oh, I work for this organization and I do a lot, of, I'm able to do a lot of writing for them. And it's like this really cool thing. And like, isn't that so impressive? And, and I, and I say that because like, that's really honestly true. And not that my heart wasn't in it, but that was definitely a factor. And so, um, there were a lot of things that happened in my life, probably I would say over the past maybe like 18 months, that were um, really hard. And I know everyone's been through a really hard time right now, so I do not mean to like minimize anyone else's struggle or say like I'm so special, all these hard things have happened to me. Um, but looking back, sort of like rewinding the tape, um, there was people use this phrase a lot, but like the perfect storm of <laughs> things came together to that really brought me like really to a really dark and low place. Mm. Um, and so I guess we could talk about just like what some of those things are and were. Um, and I don't really even remember like the order of them necessarily. Yeah. And you know a lot about this story because we're yeah. close friends, but and maybe it, you could help I just me navigate want to, it. Like acknowledge that <laughs> yes, everyone has their hard things, but I do want to acknowledge you in like the past twelve months, eighteen months, like especially like further back, um, were particularly hard, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, um, thank you. I mean shoot where do we start like <laughs> well um i think let's just list a few of them maybe yeah. you can help me if yeah. i forget anything but it's almost like it's just and it seems weird to do this but i feel like it's context yeah. and i feel like the reason that's important to mention it is because um i am someone who i do feel like is pretty i've done a lot of work i've done a lot of work you know on understanding mood stuff, on understanding depression, on, you know, I've been in therapy basically since I was 15, you mm -hmm. know, on and off. I've done, I'm, I'm like not someone who's afraid to go there, right? I'm not someone yeah. who's just like totally like emotionally unintelligent. Like yeah. it's I, kind of my jam. I think contextually too, for um, people, who, those who don't know, like Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies as an organization, like does a lot of work around perinatal mental health mm -hmm. and like maternal mental health. So doing that work and being plugged into this network, like, I mean, you and I were, or you were going to like the maternal mental health task force and like these meetings. So mm -hmm. it's like, 
aside from doing the work in your personal life, like you're plugged in and it's like, you know what some of like some of these things show up as and you have that like textbook stuff, but like it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're immune. Like yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean that the more you know about an issue it won't affect you. You know, like you're not you're not exempt just because you have a deep understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And um and I and it's interesting we're saying this because the last if you listen to our last episode is the same thing with Kendall where she is a labor and delivery nurse and her job is to inform moms who are being um what's the word induced no going home from the hospital oh what's that word um discharged golly thank you discharged (laughs) like it's her job to like talk talk to them about what what might what you might need to look for and red flags and things like that and like and she herself experienced you know a very very heightened anxiety yeah. disorder during her um, perinatal period and so it's these things where you think like oh this can't be happening to me like I know so much about this this is like this is my thing that I do I'm you know I'm an expert about this but that doesn't mean that you, you we're all human right mm-hmm. um, and so what what happened and and I think just in sharing it's like I want to give people permission in their own lives to say I'm not doing okay and I need help because for me, like I tried awful hard to suck it up and like having mental health stuff come up during the pandemic was particularly hard because everyone else was feeling crazy too. So it's like, at what point do you say, I think this has maybe gone into like, not just everyone's anxiety, but like, I think this has crossed a line to where like, I'm not actually feeling safe anymore, Yeah, you know, like, and for me, that was a really difficult place to get to. And I did try to like keep it together and, and hide it for a long time from myself and from everyone in my life, mm-hmm. you know, and it was easy to do that because I wasn't seeing anyone yeah. in my life except for my partner at the time and my kids really. Yeah. I mean, and then, and, and then like Zoom meetings, I know that, that I didn't look great on those, <laughs> like more than the average person doesn't I look great on Zoom. That, like, like, yeah. I feel like there's some work we can do with these webcams. Like nobody's <laughs> looking their best. Some people do though. Some I'm like, what, what's up with that? They have yeah. like the things, they have the fancy things. Yeah. Like the ring lights. Yeah, I them. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good for you. If you have one of those, I yeah. have one of those. I, I could barely, I like barely could make it you know, in front of the screen. Yeah. But so, okay. So like chain of events wise, um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be in the order, but like, what would you say was like, like the tip of the scale? Mm -hmm. Like where, where did the dominoes start to fall as far as like events? Um, so I think that it really, things really got, were intensified when we found out that school was not going to be a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was suddenly trying to be at home teaching the kids I mean we all know this story right at home teaching my children doing a good job at that taking care of all the things single-handedly because I'm a co-parent so like I was doing that on my own cooking all the things like making sure they were learning making sure making sure that no one killed each other like all day every day and then I was tucking them in at night and then I was sitting down at my computer and trying to then do my work you know from 
eight thirty, nine o'clock until however late, one or two in the morning, and then finally try to go get some sleep. But I was so anxiety ridden about what was waiting for me the next day that I wasn't sleeping well for sure. And then it was like all my old coping stuff started to come up like, oh, maybe you should try to drink. Oh, maybe you should stop eating. Oh, maybe like maybe this, maybe that. And, and I was like, ah, like if we add that on, like that's not going to be good. But I did start, you know, I did start like having a beer or two every night. And like, that's what I would look forward to. And, you know, um, and I was just really surprised because those things hadn't been tempting or a part of my life for a long time in terms of like using substances to get through a really hard thing. I think like for the pandemic, like that was a very common experience. I mean, we started drinking Mm -hmm. regularly. I mean, you can't really have a beer midday whenever you're at work, but whenever you don't have a zoom meeting for a couple hours, like why not, you know, like, well, um, and it's like, why not? And everything is so hard right now that it's like, like, that's a really bad pair. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Yeah. 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 So like normalizing that experience a little bit. I think that I think, I think we all went through that. Well, and that's the other thing is everyone else was being really open about like, yep, mommy's drinking wine in the bathroom at 10 o'clock AM, you know? And like, it was like kind of funny, but also not, Yeah. (laughs) you know? And so that was like the initial like, whoa, wowzers, this is really, really intense and really, really hard. And I found that I had to spend all of my time when, when the girls would go to their dads for the week, I needed to spend like all of my time sort of like re trying to like get myself back together for when they came back. And it was like a massive, you know, tidal wave again, which is kind of just the rhythm of co-parenting in general, but it was intensified by like what all had to happen just from you yeah. during like when they are with you, you know, and then, and then the girls' dad needed some extra support, like, so that he could keep working. So then I was doing a little bit of extra support there. And so I wasn't really getting the full break. And, it, and so there was that. And then um, I got into a car accident and my body got really injured. I, um, and I, <laughs> and I wanted to pretend that everything was fine. And I remember coming to a meeting. I don't know if you were at there was a meeting this might have been before you came on but I went to a meeting um with Brie and everyone and I couldn't like sit up like I was in so much pain I couldn't sit up straight I couldn't anything but I was just trying to like pretend everything was fine and they were all like um Claire I think you need to go to the chiropractor and I was like yeah okay (laughs) because I really couldn't like walk I was in a lot of pain my my back got really screwed up um so there was that. So then there was like the healing that needed to be done from that. And I had also just gotten this new car. And so then it was, you know, wrecked and that was really hard. And then like, I don't know if anyone's ever had the experience of like going to pick their kid up in a car that their kids are really ashamed of, but it's not (laughs) fun. It's like really, it's hard. It's excruciating actually to watch shame come over them in front of their friends as you're approaching. And you know, it's tough because pride is a thing and and you know and they're learning like what status means and 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 so so there was that and then my house I was um my house well I was house sitting actually at this house where we are now but I needed to run into town and pick something up from my home in town and when I got there and went inside there was an intruder in the house and Mm. um 
and that was scary. And I, so I called the police and I think that like, it's one thing to have someone break into your home. Um, but this, in this particular case, the police informed me that this was a person who was, um, you know, singling out women who live by themselves and a certain type and a certain age group and a certain look. And so it was like a, um, like a possibility of having been stalked for a while. And, and that, you know, led to a whole wow. investigation and detectives going through stuff in my home and asking really alarming questions. And, um, and that really was where things started to, um, like that was really traumatic for me. Yeah. And I, uh, lost my, my basic sense of safety, like personal safety, because I began to feel really paranoid about being at home by myself, which you know, which I, you know, my partner at the time is worked in fire. And so he was gone a lot. And so I was home by myself a lot with, um, when the girls weren't there. And then it's not like it makes you feel a lot better when your kids are there. It's not like they can like protect you. Then you just feel more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but so then that happened and then that happened again. The person tried to break in when my kids were there and when I was just up, you know, late doing dishes one night and um, and I heard them trying to open the handle to get into our house. And so, <laughs> um, so that really shook me, like shook me to yeah. my core, shook me. And I felt like anything that I had been struggling with mentally prior to that, it just, it, it rocked things to a point where I, no longer at any point in my day felt like my nervous system was able to like calm down. Absolutely. So I just got, I moved into like, you know, this fight or flight, like really vig- hyper vigilant state of just being. And, um, and that was really hard. And all of that pandemic parenting stuff was still going on. Yeah. Like, even though, no you know, breaks. and, and my friends really showed up for me. You know, you guys started to do, like, people started to patrol my home, basically. Like, yeah. you know, and, um, but it was really scary. And, and in that same home, our heaters had been broken for a really, really long time. And the landlord was not fixing them. And so we were going into another winter of using space heaters again and the temperature was like dipping below zero. And I just Jeez. felt like I was losing it. And what that looks like for me, you know, everyone when they have a mental health crisis, I think that it presents differently. But what it looked like for me was I really began to feel like incapable of doing anything. And that was really hard because there was a lot that needed to be done. Yeah. You know, and so I, I started to feel like, oh, oh shit, like I'm not like I was supposed to get that email done, but I didn't get it done or I sent it wrong. I sent it out wrong or I did this thing. And so it felt like I started to just like fail, 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 like mm. at everything. Like yeah. it didn't feel like there was any part of my life that I was like doing well. And so it really eroded my confidence And so I was feeling unsafe and really low, like personally, as a person just showing up in the world as a mom, as a, a, you know, as a professional, as a partner in my relationship. Like it just felt like I was just bombing every area of my life. 
Um, and so then I started to think, well, since I suck so much, like I should probably just not be here anymore, you know? And I've, and I've dealt with, with that kind of thinking before, but this was like pretty strong in like, in the fact that I was starting to think about how much better everyone else's lives would be if I wasn't in them, you know? And, and, and I can talk about this like without getting really emotional just because it felt, I think it just felt so real to me that it's like describing any other piece of this story. But things, when things got really, really, really um, scary was I, I was like taking the girls to school one day and, you know, or not school. No, yeah. Yeah, school because they were in two days a week. Mm-hmm. And like we just... It was like so such a stressful morning and we all have those, but like they were late to school and the drop off was really like, okay, go, 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 go. And they were both just like, like they were both just like, we were all so stressed out, you know? And, and I remember that like the lady, like barely getting them in, into the door on time. And I just pulled over in front of the cathedral because they, they go to central school. I just pulled over and I just started like weeping and I just was so scared because I was like I can't keep failing my kids this way like I can't keep like this can't keep affecting them yeah you know and I called my mom and I called Brie and I just was like I'm having a full-on panic attack like it and I think it was like the day after my no my birthday was the next day and that I was like I don't really know if I want to keep going after this birthday. Like, I just was like, I think I'm just kind of done. Like, and, and it was really, really scary and really, really hard. And, um, and I, and my mom was so reluctant to come because my, oh, my stepdad had also had a massive heart attack. I forgot to mention that part right after COVID started. Mm. Um, and so my mom, who is like my main support person, she was living with a high risk individual now and could no longer come like at all to see us, yeah. you know? And, and so any sort of like alleviation that, that she would like come in and grandma would be there and everything would be okay. Even if it was just for a couple of days, that was like out of the question and was going to be out of the question for like a year as far as I could tell, Yeah, you know? And I, I just called her and I was just like, mom, I wouldn't ask you to come if I didn't really need you to come. But like things are bad. Like really, 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 really bad. Yeah. I really need some help, you know. And she is amazing, and and decided to come. And and that same day, like I had called Bree, and um, I think we were talking. I think I called her from the office. We were trying to get something done workwise. We I was at a meeting, and she just said, "Claire, are you okay?" And it, I was over Zoom too, and I just was like, "No." I'm not, I'm not okay, you know, and she was like, why don't you come over to my house, like, right now, yeah. you know, and so I just, I, like, shut the computer, and I drove myself over there, and, and we talked about it, and she was like, can I call and make you an appointment, like, this is, we need to get you in, you know, and, um, and so that was, that was, like, the tipping, that was really the tipping point, and things started to get better from there but not quickly and not easily um and I and I struggled for 
I mean, really, like I would say I struggled up until just like a few months ago, really navigating that things started to ease up a little bit. Yeah. But I, that is like, that's the, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I just, I'm so glad you're here. Mm. Um, I just want to say that. Thank you. Um, what did it look like to be in crisis and to get help? Mm-hmm. Like, like what type of resources were you able to find? Um, and like, what, what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, <laughs> um, Dana Hillier is, is who Brie made the phone call to, who, for those of you that don't know Dana and her husband, Bob, they're amazing doctors here in Helena and they specialize in maternal mental health. And in fact, I had been a very active part of the maternal mental health task force (laughs) with Dana, um, up until that point. And, um, and that's something that Brie and I talked about, like, you know, like who, is it okay if we call Dana? Does that feel like too close to home? And I was like, no, that's who I would prefer to talk to. And, you know, and, and um, so what happened is like that phone call was made, the appointment was made. I think I was scheduled to go in the very next day. Um, and I just like kind of quietly got through the next, the 24 hours, like knowing that help was on the way, but not, you know, I just had to really like talk myself through that. And then I, uh, and then I sat down and we talked about like what what had been happening and what I was experiencing. And I got on some medication and I was given a diagnosis, um, which I since then have like as I've been healing and getting better. Like I don't really identify with the diagnosis I was initially given, um, and I think that's okay. And I think it's important to say like you know, there are times where you might be diagnosed with something and, and it, and it may not be the case. Like when someone is going through this many hard circumstances, it's difficult to understand whether or not a condition that they're in currently might be something that is forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and so for me, like I have since, you know, found help and found support and found that in making choices to make my life less stressful that I am no longer identifying with bipolar is what I was the diagnosis I was given but I also learned a lot about that and I've always you know depression runs in my family and cyclical mood disorders run in my family and so I'm glad that I have that information um but I've since just been able to do a lot of work and a lot of healing and investigating and am right now like not not as heavily on that medication as as when I first needed it to stabilize my world right yeah so I think that's important to point out too that like it's okay to be like I'm gonna need this forever like there's nothing wrong with that and and if medication helps you be stabilized and helps you get your life back awesome yeah and then sometimes it is a shorter term thing and if you're working and being honest and transparent with your doctor and you're not trying to sneak off your meds like that's when things get tricky you know yeah um when you're hiding stuff but for me like I've been working really closely with Dana and so 
so that's been part of the story too is just if you are willing to really be honest and accept support in any of the number of ways that it shows up you know you're you're then able to utilize the things that can help you get better whereas when you're just sunk you know I can't I can't none of that is available to me I just am convinced that I'm dying (laughs) or that I need to you know so yeah what would you say, um, and maybe we need to put, like, I don't know, maybe we need to put, like, a trigger warning or something at the beginning, mm-hmm. just, like, there is, like, conversation around suicide, suicidal thoughts, but, like, what would you say to someone who felt like they didn't want to be here anymore? Mm-hmm. Someone who is, like, in that place of, like, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, I would say that... You aren't, if you're having those thoughts, you're not supposed to try to figure that out on your own. That's, I think, the main thing I would say is that if your thoughts are telling you that you no longer deserve to be on this planet with those that you love, then it is time for you to stop trying to outsmart that thinking. And it's time for you to tell someone and get help. Because there's, once you're in that deep for me, there wasn't a way that I was going to talk myself out of that. Like that train of thought had become such a strong, what seemed like solution, not for me, but like that's when it got scary. Is like my girls would be so much better if they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and I'll say too, like in my particular circumstance, my, the father of my kiddos um, has a really wonderful partner. And that, I, and I'm so grateful for that. Like, I mean, like, can't even thank enough stars grateful for that in so many ways. And that would be a different conversation. But what was hard is that I've never had the experience, you know, I went through postpartum depression with both of my girls pretty acutely. And I had had experiences as, of suicide in both of those instances, but I, could, but I did not want to leave the girls without a mom. So what happened this time is I was like, well, they already have someone who's like way more amazing than I am. Mm. And that's, that started to enter in. And that's when things got really dangerous because I was like, they probably would be better off without me because I'm doing such a terrible job. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm like ruining them beyond anything anyone could ever repair just in them watching a mom go through mental health struggles and crisis Mm -hmm. that because it was scary it was scary to live with a mom who never felt safe and it was scary to watch someone who was like totally in fight or flight all the time try to manage life like and and so I was like I don't want them to live scared I don't want them to be seeing that this is how you know their mom is and I and I was deeply ashamed and deeply scared of ruining them and and so then when I had this sort of like well I'm sure that this person could step in and like take over and do a way better job than I ever could like that's still something I fight Mm. you know but I have come to realize that like they every kiddo needs their mama Mm. and like and my girls are no different and if the answer was to die or to get better then I had to choose I had to do anything I could to get better because like because they deserve they deserve to not be left with that loss and they deserve no matter who could come in like 
that's not reality, you know? And I had to, I had to like choose to be like, that kind of seems like a lie because I know they'd be actually really sad, yeah. you know? But it's that, but once you're there, like it's just so hard to, to try to untangle those thoughts. And so, um, I, but I, that's what I would say. I would say if you're there and you're experiencing that, like you can no longer rely on yourself, it's time to get help. Like yeah. that's why suicide hotlines exist. That's why it's because there needs to be another voice coming in that isn't yours, that is disagreeing with all the lies that you're being told. Yeah. Like full stop, end of story. Like that's what needs to happen. And, and, and we don't do that because we're too scared to tell people I'm thinking this really scary shit. Yeah. But if you don't, then like, it's just going to get scarier. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, we can link some resources in the description of this for anyone who is experiencing any type of crisis. There are a lot of resources available to you. There's hotlines, there's text lines. Um, I know that it must be scary to like have to do that to like make that move, but it is scary. It must be like, I I don't know, just like having to differentiate between the reality of like what your brain is telling you is Mm -hmm. real and like the true reality. And Mm -hmm. when that line gets gone, like blurred to the point where you can't differentiate, like, yes, like please get, like reach out to someone yeah you know it's scary and it's embarrassing yeah I mean to be just to just name it like I and my partner at the time was so loving and so supportive and he saw me in some really 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 dark awful places in trying to handle all of this you know and and I remember like um Christmas was particularly like really really difficult and I and I had a panic attack on Christmas Eve and or no on Christmas Day and it was so scary and so awful and the girls were so terrified and you know and I that's one that I can't it's hard for me to talk about without getting emotional because you have to let the people that love you keep you here like you have you like have to and I remember like I'm just so grateful that people in my life were willing to like show up for me. And, um, and I will say that, you know, at one point, like that day after Christmas, we had, it was still Christmas. Like we still, (laughs) we still had to keep going and we had places we needed to be. And I had to, at one point, I remember saying to like all the lies in my head, I remember saying, I hear you, you loud and clear. Like, I got it. Die. Yes, I get that. I hear you. Like, I don't... Right now, it's Christmas, so this is very inconvenient for me. And I need to... um, I'm just going to disagree with you for now. Like, I'm just going to... I'm not going to listen to you right now. Like, don't worry. I'm coming back. Like, that's how strong it was. Like, I had to be like... Like, yes. Like, I know that's probably what needs to happen. But, like, right now, I have to get through the next... 48 hours because my girls need me to and so I'm just gonna actively um disagree because I gotta like I gotta pack up the the presents and I gotta get us on the road like it's gotta happen you know and 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 that is like just so hard (laughs) yeah so and so painful 
<sighs> you know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we just like sit for a second? Yeah, can you just sit for a second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like, I don't know, hearing that you were going through that as one of your friends, like, I don't know. We just don't know Mm -hmm. what people are going through and what they're fighting. And I think it's really important to remember that like these battles are happening in someone's life that you know probably and just it's so important to be gentle and to be aware and for sure yeah and it's given me I mean it has given me I've always identified as someone who's empathetic but it's given me a whole different view of that like it's taken me to a new level of like Of just really seeing that, like, everyone's lives are really precious. Yeah. And, like, everyone is who they are and where they are. Like, you know, the the dude that's out with the cardboard sign to where we, we want to ignore them or we want to think, like, um, you know, oh, they got themselves into this mess or, yeah. I you know, like, any number of things that we tell ourselves to justify, like, not having to deal with that situation. Yeah. It's like, no, like, now I understand that, like, somebody's lives can blow up and like mine happened in this small concentrated amount of time but these people may have been experiencing years and years and years and years of that without anyone showing up for them you know it just gives me a new perspective on like the human condition and struggle and like everyone no matter what they're presenting like we are fragile yeah and and we all like deserve care and and we all deserve to be treated with dignity and I sound like I'm like giving a speech here but I've just really realized that like there were parts in me that prior to going through this like I was judgmental towards people who had smashed cars you know I was judgmental towards people who couldn't show up to their thing on time I I would you know and now I'm like oh now I know how it feels to be that person yeah. And now I know how it feels to have kids who, you know, are ashamed of where they live or what they drive or like now I know and like it is hard to live with that stuff. Yeah. Like if nothing else, like just be like, wow, I bet that's hard to live having to ask for help like that in such a public way. I bet that's hard. Yeah. You know? And and so it's given me like a deeper perspective on loving people like for right where they are. Yeah. Um, I wonder like what I have, I have two directions. I feel like I I'm curious to move from here. Um, one, I mean, I don't know if you would want to share your story about the car. Hmm. Um, oh yeah oh yeah we didn't even mention that yes um we could yeah and um I also am curious like uh, on the other side of this darkness Uh um this this hard time um what does it look like now to Mm -hmm. be 
moving into recovery and like come I mean you still I'm sure have your days where there's mm. the battles there but like there's the hope mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah I think so it's funny because you bring up so what Emily is talking about the car story is not the original car story but we, car. we kind of stopped at like um you know we stopped at the at the mental breakdown but like <laughs> shit kept going wrong after that so then we had to move and then we you know we moved into this house that we that I knew would only be temporary that's been its own set of challenges trying to um I mean the Helena area is blowing up with new people moving here right now and so find, finding housing is really 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 hard and so that transition of like moving into a new place and sort of settling but sort of not settling because we knew we had to move again soon like that's been hard then I went through a breakup that was really painful and like just heart shattering hard um and you know I won't camp out there too long but just a lot of pain and grief that I suddenly was facing um, on top of everything else. And then my car got stolen. My car got stolen. I, I, At this point, it's, like, funny. Like, you have to yeah. get to a point where you're, like, and then what? You know? Like, it just, yeah. yeah. From your backyard. From my driveway. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's, I'm smiling and, like, we're kind of laughing right now. Because anyone who knows me is just, like, <laughs> like, Oh, hello, Facebook. It's Claire again. I need a vehicle again because no, mine's not broken down this time. I didn't get in a wreck this time. It actually just is gone. <laughs> yeah. So um, that happened. And, and interestingly, I was in such a different place when that happened. So maybe this is a good segue to like, how are things now? Like, yeah. like what's a current event that has happened that shows that progress has been made for me you know mentally and and emotionally and just internally Mm -hmm. is that you know my car did get stolen this wasn't very long ago this was the day after St. Patrick's Day Um, so that's March 18th and we are now April 21st oh my gosh it's my brother's birthday and I haven't called him yet (laughs) Um. (laughs) hey Kyle if you're listening happy birthday Um, um, so anyway so that's not very long ago. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, let's quickly go through that story. So kids are getting ready for school, brushing their teeth. You know, things aren't as hard as they were that day that we talked about before when they were getting ready for school. But, you know, getting ready for school, it's a crazy time in most families' day. Those last, like, yeah. 10 minutes before you, like, have to get in the car and be there on time. No, like, get your like, shoes. No, yeah. no, 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 not your roller Wear blades. your socks. No, yeah. <laughs> like, you've had them. <laughs> I know. Like, they were just on, but I didn't want the purple one. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we were doing all of that, and I, like, quickly was like, okay, please don't, like, spit on each other while you're brushing your teeth. I'll be right back. I'm going to go start the car. Dash out the door. March to the back fence. Go out the gate. And, like, you know, stop. <laughs> and you have the moment where you're just staring at the empty space where your car is usually parked. And I'm going, well, but where's the car? Like, I wasn't drinking last night. 
I didn't like leave it somewhere on accident. We didn't get a ride home from anywhere, but you, your brain goes through these things. Yeah. Because you don't first go to like someone stole it. Like, like it's gone. I, I did something. Like it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. And it is. It's just not no longer in your possession. So so that happened. And and I don't know that we need to go into the whole long story here. Because I know that we. I want to be respectful that like listeners don't have all day or night to listen to this. But what I will say is that I had an opportunity to freak out or not you know and 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 my spiritual life has become very important in this journey of healing for me you know and so I I did like I was like okay I can either try to figure this out without any money for a car or any way to get my kids to school right now that needs to happen or getting to my first cleaning on time or you know like I can really start to panic here or I can just take a deep breath realize the car is gone calmly walk back in and tell my children that we do not have a car today and then go from there and do the next thing that needs to be done you know and I definitely I'm not gonna say I'm like an angelic being like I had I called you I think was the first friend I called and I was having like I needed to have like a 20 minute freak out yeah because I just was sort of like my I couldn't accept what was happening yeah but but then I moved into like this is out of my hands like I I do not have the means to figure this out so you know I got on Facebook within no time at all I had a car to borrow so I wouldn't have to miss more work because you can't like be lugging your vacuum to someone's house across town, yeah. you know, and like and simultaneously to my car, like literally the wheel had fallen off of it, like the, not just the t- like the whole wheel bearing had broken, so we were down to like one car, and yeah. I was just like, I wish I had a car for you, but mine was literally like sitting in the driveway with its wheel oh all wonky, and goodness. I was just like. Oh no. I know. It was it was a day. So everything turned out okay. And you know, if anyone wants to ask me about that story, I'd be happy to share, but I feel like it's too long of a story to tell here. But basically I decided not to freak out about it. I decided to, you know, hand it over to God and say, like, I got nothing here. I'm gonna need to just surrender this. And because I didn't choose to go into the like, I suck, I should have done this, I should have done that. By the way, my keys were not in the car, if anyone's wondering, you know, (laughs) but like, but all these things that like, I could have just started like blaming myself and berating myself and just getting really down and and, oh, now my life is ruined and I can't work and I can't do this and how am I, what am I, like, ah, you know, I just moved really quickly into like, I know that my community is awesome. I know people are going to show up for me. I know everything's going to be okay. I don't know how, but like, I'm just going to choose to like surrender this and not freak out. Yeah. And that, and then everything turned out okay, you know, and, and beyond okay, really. But, but I guess that's just a good, um, for me, it was a really good sort of like measuring tool of like what, if that would have happened, like after break in, after all, like when all, when I was in the thick of it, like it would have been really really scary yeah yeah that contrast of like you at that point like you had gotten help you had been like working through it with 
like with help for a little while. And I had gotten used to asking people for help, which was something yeah. I was terrible at before. Yeah. Accepting people's help was like the worst thing in the world to me it's before a, all this stuff started happening. Yeah. So it's hard to like learn to do, right? Yeah. 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 Cause you want to, especially I think there's something about like, single mom or single parenting culture where you just are like I have to have this like I've got this yeah I've got to be okay here yeah because if I'm not okay then no one's okay yeah so you really take on this like nope I've got to keep it all together and I've got to be the one and like you know and and I just have learned that that doesn't work (laughs) you can't you can't do everything on your own especially when hard things come up you know so Um, so yeah, I, I just think that I'm really thankful that I, that even though crazy stuff is still happening, you know, we're about to move again in a couple of weeks and like I, because my mental health is in such a better place due to therapy, due to medicine, due to me doing some really hard internal work, you know, due to my spiritual life coming and like changing the way that. I understand the world I just like it's okay I'm okay like there are hard days where I'm definitely like one foot in front of the other but I'm able to like now envision everything that needs to happen in a day and instead of just crumbling under the weight of it Mm -hmm. I can actually be like okay well that's a lot of stuff I should write it all down and then I, I should figure out what needs to happen the most and then I should start doing those things yeah. instead of like wanting to just like crawl in a hole and die, yeah. you know? I feel like it's such a testament to like honoring your true capacity versus mm-hmm. like what you want your capacity to totally. be or like what you've said your capacity might be or what it's been in the past. Like that all changes mm-hmm. and, um, I think that we can really like spiral ourselves mm-hmm. if we don't listen to that voice. It's like, whoa, buddy, like it's too much. Yeah, you're way beyond capacity. Yeah. And it's okay to say, man, I thought I had the capacity to handle all of this, but you know what, person that I told that I was going to do this, I'm really sorry, but I made a mistake. Yeah. I made a mistake in telling you that I could do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really sorry, but I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it and I can't do it well. And I'm not going to lie to you and lie to myself and keep trying to do it when I know that I can't. Yeah. You know, and there's real beauty in, in that type of humility. And I, I mean, I just had to have a really hard conversation the other day and say that to someone. And it was, but, but I felt peace. Because I knew I didn't have to keep up this charade of I'm okay and I got this anymore. Yeah, you're speaking your truth and then you're not caught in like the, the, the I suck thing whenever like your capacity has been reached. Right. You're not able to actually like show up in the way that you would want to if you weren't at capacity and like so that doesn't feel good. So then you have to carry that and mm-hmm. yeah, I... Why do we do that to ourselves? I don't know. I think that I think a lot of us do that, but I think it is a pretty commonly a common experience for women. Yeah. And I think it I think that there are so many pieces of what we're trying to manage in a day that have gone invisible for so long and and that are undervalued that we feel like it's not okay to say I'm at capacity because people are like how what yeah. are you even doing? Yeah. And we're like, well, a lot. 
really. Like you, for instance, are growing a human being in your body right now. And your legs feel like cement. But you still have to walk lots of places because you got shit to do. And like, (laughs) you know, like that's just an example of like, the, there's a lack of understanding. Yeah. Can, can we just like talk about that for half a second? Because like that is something that like I have had to try to wrap my head around because like, you know, like in pregnancy, like trying to do the same things that I was mm-hmm. doing pre-pregnancy. And then I'm like, why can't I do this? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my body's literally like <laughs> not only creating another human, my body has formed an entire new organ to sustain the life of this human. And it's like, that's why I'm tired. That's all. why, like, that's why I feel it. like crap. That's why I can't do it. Um, that's but, why your capacity changes. Yeah. <laughs> but like coming to terms with that, I don't know if it's a stubborn thing or if it's like kind of, but I think. I, I think part of it is my stubbornness, but I also think that a lot of it is like what what is expected of us as women to show up in that space. But well, I'll it's hop only off my no, no. On but I want to speak to that for a minute because we're speaking to moms, and I yeah. want to. What I want to say is like I think that the lack of understanding about okay, we're gonna go here. So carrying a baby is hard. Yeah, and the female is doing that. And the partner is not. Yeah. <laughs> and so they cannot like say, hey, I'll grow an extra organ for a little while and help you out. And we can put the baby into my body for a bit so that you can take a rest. Yeah. So I think that it must feel, I imagine, really kind of helpless, but like, but to a point where it's then hard to recognize the experience of the mom because that makes you feel like more of a dick that you can't take anything off of that plate. Yeah. And so, and I, and, and I don't feel like, I feel like it's getting better, but I don't feel like in my experience that males have understood what the things are then that they can take off your plate. Yeah. So that your capacity isn't so maxed out all the time. There are things. Yeah. You know? and, and I will say, like, my husband is, like, hella supportive. He's, like, hella ready to take whatever he can almost to a self-sacrificing level. And I'm so grateful because I don't know what I would do without that. But, like, even still in those moments of having to be honest and being, like, I, I'm done. Like, my body hurts. I'm having Braxton Hicks out the, like, like whatever. Like, my Braxton Hicks are going crazy. Um, and then like having to sit on the couch and watching him cook dinner and like knowing, looking around and seeing the house of mess, I feel awful. Right. That's the thing. I feel so guilty. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know what, like, I, I think, I think things are getting better. I think culturally we're getting better. Um, but, but it feels like it's all your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I have hoped that someday it will go away. Yeah. But. Or that it will just get so much, people, the understanding will get so much deeper about, but it's like, it's almost a refusal to acknowledge what the experience is like to be pregnant and to carry a child and to birth a human because it is really, that all has to happen in the female body. So like by just saying like, oh, it must not be that hard. Oh, you can still work. You can still do all the things and you can bounce back and you can this and you can that. That makes it less uncomfortable for the person who is saying those things. 
mm-hmm. because then they're like, yeah, it's not that hard for her. So everything's okay. Yeah. Like the fact that I can't step in and help in this way that I wish I could, that's okay. I can live with that because it's actually not that hard for her. She's doing fine yeah. and she's going to be okay and she can cook and she can do this. And I'm not saying like, Eric, bless your heart. You're a good man. <laughs> we all know that. And like, there are beautiful like partnerships out there that are super balanced and supportive and awesome. And that's amazing. Well, I, I think it like is similar to like living with someone with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's like, you know, we both struggle with chronic illness and I think it's kind of like when, when illness becomes like, or, or a burden, not burden, mm-hmm. but like whenever, like, so like with chronic illness, when it becomes like an everyday part of your life, mm-hmm. the people around you stop hearing it mm-hmm. and they stop seeing it, mm-hmm. um, because it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's normal for you to be uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's normal for you to have low energy. It's normal. So the people around you kind of stop seeing it. So whenever you're struggling, they're kind of like, yeah, that's like, it doesn't register anymore, mm-hmm. any more than like the mailman showing up does, um, garbage day. Like, you it's know what true. I mean? And I, I think pregnancy is like really similar. Like when you're walking around and you can kind of say like, I'm uncomfortable, I'm nauseous, like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, but when that experience is going on for like seven or eight, nine months now, like it's just kind of normal. So it's mm-hmm. like hard to pick up the other, I don't know. Or there's like this tendency to be like, well, yeah, of course you're nauseous and throwing up, you're pregnant. Yeah. But like that doesn't make it easier. Yeah. Totally. Or like that doesn't make it like not less sucky that like anytime we think about bacon, we puke our guts out. Like that's yeah. not like it's, it, yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> we, so we went on that we tangent, but I think it's, in, I think it's important to yeah. just acknowledge that, that. Yeah. So I'm glad we did. I, I <laughs> Um, we should probably wrap up pretty yeah. soon. We're, 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 uh, we're getting there. Okay. But, yeah. but tell me what else. Is there anything else? Emily? I think like, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like, um, going back to you, Claire, I feel like this journey has been like really hard and like scary and all those things. But like, simultaneously like now I'm seeing you on the other side and like I I feel like there's a transformation and a realness that's happening and not that that belittles like what you're going through when you're going through it because you don't want to be that person that's like well things will get better because it's like that doesn't help that doesn't help when you're in it but like being coming out of that that place of like you know say like rock bottom I guess Mm -hmm. um and you know you're climbing out the message of hope I Mm -hmm. guess like can you talk about that for just half a second Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it's like a pretty large concept to put into half a second but Mm -hmm. you know yeah trying to think about how I want to say this um I think that, you know, when you are struggling so much, no matter what it is you're struggling with, um, you get kind of like we were just talking about with pregnancy or chronic illness, you get used to living in this dark place and you get used to, um, surviving 
and you get used to being in a mode where you're not sure if you maybe want to keep putting one foot in front of the other, but you just do it anyway, you know? And, and this is like the way that we have to endure. And so the hopeful part for me of that was that I never could have imagined in that dark place, like I couldn't fathom a way out of it let alone like try to imagine what it would be like to not live in this devastatingly desperate place. You know, I couldn't imagine what it would look like to be a mom who was really showing up for her kids because she had gotten her health back. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to um, wake up and not feel like, oh my God, how am I going to make it through this day? Like I couldn't, I was so entrenched in that kind of um, mode of being that what happened when I moved out of that and when I when I utilized you know the support all around me and 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 was able to cultivate strength to get through those really hard things and that really hard time and to do some healing and to take healing really seriously and be patient and kind to myself while healing is that, you know, I think a lot of times we think about gratitude as like another thing we need to do. Like it's another like, okay, I need to have a gratitude journal. I need to have a gratitude list. I need to gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. But like gratitude is not for me like another like task you put out in front of yourself to like, you know, succeed. Like, oh, I'm really... I'm really nailing the gratitude piece. Like gratitude now, as I understand it, and joy are like um, are like it's like driving in today, for example. Our sky in Helena was so blue today. And it was so beautiful. And it was after we'd had a couple of unexpected days of like snow and cloudiness and cold. And it felt really, I felt really bitter about it. And like all the things, like we all were just kind of in this like really. um, I know, I know. But like, so driving today, for example, I, I could like feel the warmth of the sun like actually like penetrating. And I could like, I could um, sense that I was like so lucky to live in such a beautiful place with like mountains all around me and like good people like everywhere I look and it was like man like I would have missed out on this day yeah like I wouldn't have been here to feel like these sun rays mm. and to like try to get my daughter to soccer and to like show up for a friend who can't walk her dog right now because she's hurting you know, and take her dog for a walk. And like all these things, like I wouldn't have been able to do those, not only because I might not have been here at all, but because I felt like when I was in deep depression, I felt like driving on a sunny day, I felt like the sun was mocking me. Like I felt like it was like this world of like, oh, look how beautiful everything is and you suck. And to live in that contrast of like, you know that the, that the world around you is full of like wonder and joy and light, but you can't access it because you're like trapped 
you know, I feel like that is the hope to me is that like, if you can get yourself, if you can not get yourself, if you can ask for help and get support to rise from that, like bottom, 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 deep, dark place. And if you can start to like, let a little bit of light in, then you will be able to like appreciate that light way more than if you had never been like trapped underneath this like oppression and depression for so long and like that to me is like the hope of fighting through it is that like that's possible for everybody like everyone you know if you if you like find I don't really care who you are like that's why we have public health crisis hotlines like everyone can reach out and get help and be plugged into help and like that is just the starting point you know and then and then walking that path like that's the hope is that like you can you can participate in the beauty in the world again yeah damn it's good it's good that's amazing and it's not like I'm not you know it's not like I you know before we started recording I was crying about some pain I'm going through and some grief and loss and heartache that I'm still experiencing and it's hard and and life is hard and there's it's not like I'm like you know, kicking my heels up every day and just like, oh, like miss sunshine. Like there's still really hard stuff that's coming up in my life, but I now know that I'm not alone in it. It's manageable. It's manageable. And if it's not manageable, I know what to do. Yeah. You know, like that's the, that's the beauty of getting help is like, then that help never goes away. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to... (laughs) to wrap up that's so good yeah um thank you so much Mm. for being vulnerable i know in your time hosting mother love you um you have like gone to vulnerable places with your guests and the people who've been on this podcast and shared pieces of your your story and your life along the way but wow (laughs) feels really cool to sit here and witness you being in that place and like sharing your story and holy moly yeah thank you I think there's a lot of power in sharing our stories and that's not like I just came up with that line we all know that that's been going on for all of time but I just want to like leave listeners with this just encouragement that you know whether it's this podcast or whether it's calling a friend and saying like hey I need to come over and just spend some time like not being in my own head or whatever it is like our stories are always going to be medicine like they're always going to be healing and when we speak vulnerably and in truth like with each other and it gives permission to open other people's stories up too like and that real connection that can happen like that's the stuff that on hard days you like have it in your pocket yeah you know and and so I just want to encourage like any mom out there who wants to share their story and and who has gone through something hard like there are a zillion crazy ways that moms endure and and crush this thing that is so hard every day you know and whether it's like a birth story or a, a story about what you're going through now with your kids or whatever like Emily is a beautiful person at holding space for people 
And like there have been many times in our friendship and in our life where it has made a huge difference for me because you're such a good listener. Like you listen with your heart. And and like that is not something that everyone's like naturally gifted at, but you are. And so I just want to encourage people like as I'm passing this torch, like we created this to be a safe space for people to share their stories and to be vulnerable. And like it will continue to be that and it will continue to you know anytime someone can give up this much time to listen like even if you only listen to a little chunk of it like I hope that tuning in in even for a little bit I hope that somebody somewhere is like you know washing another bottle or folding another piece of laundry that's been on the couch for eight days you know it's full of wrinkles and they (laughs) possibly could need to be put back in the dryer like I hope that I feel like you're calling me yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> we we all we yeah. all. How many times have you gone over to a fellow mama's house and they're like, "I swear this laundry's only been on my couch for like a week." Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie I'm to gonna you anymore. Gonna... My laundry lives in a pile around and overflowing out of my laundry hamper, right next to the perfectly good washer and dryer that I could put it into, and I could do a load a day, but. But you're growing a human. So yeah. And that. like, that's a great excuse now, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean. You're growing a few years strong on that. Yeah. But I mean, just that this is how, this is how we rally and this is how we get through it together. And, you know, I hope, I hope that not only people listen, but I hope that it inspires them to have real conversations with the other people in their lives so that the the healing can continue like in every direction it possibly can yeah yeah that's so good and like one final note on that I will say that like your transparency and your struggles and then like your ability to tap into the network of people that like we work with professionally Mm -hmm. as well like when I was going through some hard stuff like literally I was able to look back and be like well Claire did this Oh, so, so cool. I can do this. Like I can, I can reach out to, you know, like people that I am also going to the maternal mental health task force with and co-facilitating this task force with, and I can, I can ask for help mm-hmm. and that feels important. I couldn't have done that if you hadn't been the trailblazer for that. So I that means so much to me, Emily. Yeah. And I mean, that's the hope, right? That's the whole point of the of the podcast and of the work that we do. So yeah. there are a lot of dogs barking now. We're gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. Okay, so because we talked about some really hard things in that conversation. We just wanted to offer some resources in case you or anyone you know and love is going through similar things in their life and might need help like right away. Um, So the Montana Crisis Recovery Project has a line you can call from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. The number is 1-877-503-0833. And they have free anonymous crisis counseling. You can speak to someone right away when you call during those hours. There's also the Montana Crisis Text Line. And you can text capital M, capital T, to 741-7, 
four, oh, sorry, 741-741. And similarly, a crisis counselor will respond immediately. And this is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week access to crisis counselors. There's also the Montana Suicide Prevention Line, which you can call 800-273-TALK. And again, this is 24-7, so no matter what time of day or night, um, you have access to crisis counselors for free confidential emotional support to people who are in suicidal crisis or emotional distress. The Montana Warm Line is 877-688-3377. And this is Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., weekends 12 p.m. to 9 p.m., and same deal, free confidential service. It's staffed by individuals with lived experience, though, and early crisis intervention with emotional support that can prevent a crisis. So this is a really great place to go if you're scared, but you're not in immediate, you don't feel like you're maybe in immediate danger, but you really need to tell someone what's going on. Um, This is the fact that it's staffed by people who have gone through this themselves, I think that this would be a really beautiful option um, just to get support from someone who's been there. Um, and then the last that we wanted to share is the Thrive by Waypoint Health. And this is a website. <clears throat> you can go to HTTPS Thrive, well, you know. On the inner on the internet, <laughs> go to thriveformontana.com, and this is an online cognitive behavioral therapy for those who are actively working to manage anxiety and stress. So I think that it's really important. You know, in my story, I shared that I was able to reach out to a friend who I knew also happened to be an expert and could get me connected really like right away immediately with someone, a professional who would help me. But if you don't have that in your life, this is why we've created these um, resources in our state because we know that not everyone has um, someone they can trust in their life when they're hurting and feeling scared. So I hope that you... uh, can utilize those. I hope you can share them with people you know and love. And I know that healing is possible. I'm here standing and breathing and watching the sunrise each day. So please, please, please take that first step and get help. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you do like what we're doing on Mother Love, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Mm-hmm.